0: Kingway, Fox, Beardlock is acting very weird Captain Pike, Crystal's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very
1: harsh Ford Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk Peter Batliff, Edward is an idiot, Fock is dead, Wolf is wet,
2: Jackal's wearing red. See this cat,
1: Kim Peck's hat, Q is that, enough of that. Be me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We talk about about the series. You can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series. We're coming to you on the streaming services now. We talk about the series. We go on the show now. we and and
3: Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, July 20th, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. That means we are live. That means you can let your fingers do the walk-in. And call Trek Talk and pick up your phone and dial 646-668-2433 and join in the fun. And we're going to have a of fun tonight. We're going to be talking about last week's episode of Star Trek Strange New World Durade, And it's going to be a blast. We also have Star Trek news, Star Trek birthdays, fan shout outs, and fan scores. But before we dive right in, I want to go around the room and introduce to you guys each and every one of my awesome experts. And we'll start out, we're going to go all the way out to Las Vegas, and we're going to say hello to Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles?
1: I'm
4: making sure I keep myself cool. Sorry about You're a like cool your man. cat. Your, well, the cat's trying to be cool, coming to visit me, but we're both trying to stay cool. Uh, I'm hoping it's nice and cool up there in Portland. It only got up to uh, 111 so far today.
5: Ugh. Ugh. But it makes me want to throw yes. up in my mouth. I mean, gross. horrific. Yeah, uh, thank you.
4: If you've heard about the weather, the weather conditions that Phoenix has got were maybe five degrees cooler than Phoenix. So we're up to the point that we're getting that same. We're we're part of that big high that they're getting also. So
3: yeah. we
4: got a we got a scorcher.
3: Move here, Charles. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you can come up here to Vermont. You won't have to worry about that ever. We just get uh, floods and tornadoes. I think
5: it's worth mail. you doing, Charles, just because it's worth doing, Charles. Because then you would, you would just, if only that to make Jim not be able to say trifecta anymore. He has to come up with a new word.
1: Ooh, all Quat- yeah, four
5: heard. of us were here. <laughs> my Portland Quat he could call it. Right, <laughs> he'll have to invent a whole new name. That's entertaining enough to justify the uh, the hassle of you moving. So. Agreed. Let's we'll <laughs> vote on so it I at the end of the show,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, speaking of Portland, we 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 do have a hat trick out there in Portland tonight. We'll start off with David the donut guy. How you doing, David?
0: Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Just made some homemade hamburgers. That was pretty nice and uh, now I'm drinking it down with my homemade water. So, I'm pretty good.
1: Homemade water? You know. That, that that's not the image I have in mind, man. I
5: only, I only know how to make homemade water one way, David. I know. Me too.
3: <laughs> you, you're not supposed to eat. Are you in, a, are you in it. a prison yeah. in eastern Oregon? Is that what's going on?
4: Don't drink it.
3: Yeah. Don't do it, no.
5: man. And it's David, uh, the human uh, filter. Yes.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's what my son well, call me. Well, uh, we also have...
3: Out in Portland as well, There's our very own toy guy, Paul. How you doing tonight, Paul? You know, Jim, I'm doing really well, really, really well,
5: uh, in a lot of good ways, but I'm super preoccupied, man, because it is, uh, as many of our listeners may know, it is uh, Comic-Con weekend. It is San Diego Comic-Con, and uh, stuff got cracking and rolling last night, and the sheer volume of toy previews hitting social media is almost impossible to keep up with i've seen some really cool stuff and hasn't even really got up to full speed yet until tomorrow so it's just been crazy so i'm like it's dangerous for a guy like me dude when you see all this potential stuff you're gonna have to acquire so uh and yes friends much of it is star trek related so uh some of which showed up on our Facebook page last night, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah.
1: It's right.
5: It's right. So uh, that's that's queuing you up for your inevitable uh, Facebook tech, tech talk and uh, web page plug, Jim. So,
3: but I'm good. I can now, answer your question in the most long-winded way I can. You're not drinking that homemade water, are you? You're staying away from that.
5: No dude, uh we, we we the only liquid in this house we are allowed to drink by uh by a very small state law that only applies to this property is beer. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's that's we don't drink anything Strict else. Laws. Yeah.
1: Strict
5: yeah. So, you know. Well, it's a, a weird uh, historical thing in our uh when we took over the property, it's like we had to abide by those rules to close the sale. So, it's not my not my doing.
3: Well, I, I heard that you you occasionally clack uh crack open a Klingon blood wine from time to time.
5: <laughs> You'll hear correctly, <laughs> sir. <laughs>
3: uh-huh. You know, there is oh, an well,
5: exception to every rule, Jim, which is, you know, why life's so interesting. But uh... This
3: is very, very true. And wrapping up our hat trick from Portland, we have our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, man,
2: I am also having a fantastic day today. I uh, It was one of those days that felt very satisfying on the work front, and then I got home just in time for the podcast. You know, typically there's a little chit-chat before the podcast here and there, and typically I show up uh, within about 30 seconds of the start of the podcast. I showed up two minutes before the podcast today, guys, so uh, I'm moving in the right direction. Moving in the right direction. <laughs> if you're,
3: you're, move, you're moving on up, that's just, that's where you're going, to a deluxe apartment in the sky high. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we like to start off every week's podcast by giving fan shout outs to you guys, our faithful listeners, our global Star Trek family. And how, do you ask, do you become a member of our global Star Trek family? Eric. Why don't you let our listeners know how they can be mentioned in a future fan shout out and join our global Star Trek family.
2: Well, you know, Jim, we have built a veritable Facebook empire with Trek talking here. And we in fact have uh, almost 150,000 followers there and a whole bunch of people like us as well. And that is your way to get in touch with us. And if you, if you don't remember, you know, how to go to Facebook and do a search. It's a lot easier to just go to tracktalking.com and we have a little link there that you can click on, takes you right to our Facebook page. And on that Facebook page, you can look at the top of the page and we often will uh, just have a post pinned right there that says, where are you from? You'll see a little Vulcan hand symbol there. And if you interact with us on that particular post, you can show up in the fan shout-outs here. Jim Jim likes to pick uh, folks from all over the planet, don't you, Jim?
3: Yeah, if you, if you just say, hi, my name is Jack, I'm from Portland, you probably won't get chosen. But I, I'm attracted with emojis. Lots of emojis will, will will probably get you mentioned.
1: And you can pretty, um, pretty
3: you know, much
2: mention anything Klingon-related that will also get you mentioned.
3: Yes, that, that's a guarantee. Uh, another way is to be a top fan. If, if you're a top mm. fan, that also gets you mentioned. So uh, there's a lot of ways to get mentioned. But uh, Or live near New York.
1: Or live near New York. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Yes, if, 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 if you live <laughs> Hi, my name now, is Walter, <laughs> and I
5: shave with a bat list, and I'm from Poughkeepsie. Oh
3: if you it.
5: fit that definition, it's, you're
3: going to be picked, I guarantee you. You're there. <laughs> you're, you're, you're there. um yeah, Absolutely. But uh, I'll tell you what, though, the one way that you won't get picked is if you don't visit our Facebook page. So that, that's, oh! that's a prerequisite. Ah, you need to go there. Darn it. Uh, You've got to start there, and, you know, the rest will just unfold. I have a feeling that once you get there, you won't want to leave anyways because there's all kinds of great stuff there. But at any rate, you want to look for a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim. I'll send you a heart all the way from Vermont. It might be waterlogged by the time it gets to you but I will send you a heart, and then you want to tune into the next podcast and hear your name mentioned for all the world to hear. So, Eric, who's on your fan shout-out list for this week? Well, for our number one fan shout out this
2: week, we are heading over to Poland and we're saying hello and kapla to Dorota Petrick, who says, uh, live long and prosper to us and sends us a little Polish flag there. So representing Dorota, thank you so much for listening to our podcast and for supporting us on our Facebook page. We really appreciate it. Live long and prosper, peace and long life to you. Also saying hello this week to top fan Robert Burke, who's saying hello to us from ireland one of those places that i have nary been that i would like to go very muchly uh so robert uh maybe you can make some recommendations where should i start lots to see and do lots to eat and drink uh where should i get started thank you so much for listening to our podcast also saying hello to top fan martin mulligan who's saying hello to us from around the way in scotland martin i always wondered if you know how do scottish people feel about scotty do they just call him normal, and they call everyone else like American Jim, American uh, Spot. I don't. I have no idea. There's got to be some sort of synergy there. At any rate, the Highlands of Scotland look amazing. Martin Mulligan, thank you so much for saying hello to us. Hello to you, sir. And lastly, on my list, David Woodall is saying hello to us from Christchurch, New Zealand, way down in the other hemisphere. David Woodall, thank you so much for listening to us. Live long and prosper to you. And I'm going to pass this big old shout-out megaphone over to Charles. Charles, who you got?
4: Well, let's start off with a greetings
2: to Kirk Henry. Used to be in Maryville,
4: now in Kansas City, Missouri, and gives us a u- nice United States flag. Greetings to top fan Bob Hancock from Oklahoma. I am another top fan, Diane Condi from Houston, Texas. Greetings, Diane. Hope it's cool down there. And a greeting to another top fan, Evelyn D. Dwayne-Froy from Jacksonville, North Carolina. David, who's on your list?
0: Yeah, I got a couple of people here. Uh first I would like to say hello and thank you for uh listening is Rachel Sattler from New Jersey oh no, she says New Jersey girl uh now living in Richmond, Virginia, USA. Uh next one is Liz Zakin from Texas, USA. Uh top fan Sue LaPointe, all the way from Michigan. Last on my list is another top fan uh fayetta Fusen from kentucky thank you all for all listening and paul who's on your list all right man
5: it looks like we are going to blast off and leave the united states and go to points farther afield first of all i'd like to give an enormous shout out and a great big couple uh, to our friend Nikki holt top fan Nikki holt In South Africa, magnificent spot to hang your hat. Great to hear from you all the way down there, Nikki. Hope things are well and it's not too hot this time of year. Uh, Moving a little further north, we're going to say hello to Anasai in Gran Canary Islands, Spain. Gran Canaria, as they say. Wonderful, exotic place to live. Well, Spain is just nothing can anything top it one of the most amazing destinations in the world absolutely amazing what a place to live what a place to be a star trek fan and if you like your temperatures a little bit cooler a little bit more nordic then go visit our friend jacqueline Hani in bern switzerland i'm guessing there's at least three or four pairs of skis in jacqueline's house because bern is a massive ski destination and just down the road It's our good friend Remco Sikens in Zandvoort, the Netherlands there. Uh, Remco Sikens, it's great to hear from you, all of our friends in Europe and all over the globe. Together we share many things in common, but we share a lot of enthusiasm for all things Star Trek. Isn't that right, Uncle Jim?
3: Absolutely, and we're going to continue that on. I have four top fans, which means they interact on our Facebook page, they take place in our polls, and they're just general Trekkies all around, so I want to start off by saying thank you and kapwa to Lance B. Rubin, who's from East Meadow, Long Island, New York. Um, I wonder if Lance went to Trek Long Island last year or is planning on going this year. If you do, Lance, look me up and I'll make it worth it. We have another top fan. Um, We have Doreen Cop campbell who's from Annapolis, Maryland, USA, and sends us an American flag. Live long and prosper, Doreen. We also have another top fan, Maggie hunter g Raps from Maine, U.S. of A, um, the home of Stephen King. And the last top fan on my list is Sharon Mame Rosenberg, who's listening to us in Illinois, U.S. of A. Thank you so much to each and every one of you guys for listening, no matter where you are. And hopefully you will be featured on a fan shout-out in the future. Just head over to our Facebook page and uh, leave lots of emojis to catch my attention, and uh, hopefully you'll be mentioned. All right, guys, this is it. This is what we've all been waiting for. We reworked the show a little bit to uh, get our um, our episode reviews at the top of the show instead of the bottom of the show. So this is it. We're going to be talking about last week's *Strange New World episode, *Charades*. And if you haven't seen it, uh, here's here's just a little reminder. Mister Spock,
5: what's happened to me? You're in a shuttle accident. Seems to have made you human. What the? I
3: feel different.
5: <laughs> Don't you get it? Angry. <gasps>
3: Hungry? I'd slow down a bit if I were you. I'm making it up for lost time. We're working on a chip. If we can't change him back, he's going to be stuck like this. Do I smell more human? I don't know. This is the radio. I don't know how you smell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anyways,
3: um, every, every Friday... I put up a post on our page and ask you guys, our faithful listeners and our Facebook followers, to tell us what you thought about last week's episode. And again, um, the more detail and the more creative that you are, the better chance that your comment has of being read online. If you just say, "Hey, it was cool," um, yeah, you know, I, I want a little bit more than that. Why was it cool? So uh, we ask you guys to score the episode on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the best. Any scores over 10 are counted as 10. All right? Just so that we're all on the same page there. Um, <laughs> a, 100 a 100 will do you no know So none right? of your
5: wise cracking, you know,
0: 10.5,
3: if you're one of those You can't
0: people. do a 10 goal.
3: 10.9, 10.11. That's right. It, it counts as a, 10. So, you I, 10, a, a, a 10,
1: 10.
3: so you can give it 10 stars, though. Uh, which which has happened, actually happened. So, Eric, what do our Facebook fans have to say about charades?
2: Oh, my gosh, you guys. I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record, but there are some great little uh, nuances in some of these comments. So, Nora Leverson gave it a 10. And ten stars. All of it was brilliant. Spock's encounter with Amanda from his very first human greeting to her to the end was brilliant. The rest of the cast showing their cohesion as a crew by supporting Spock and Chapel. They can all say so much with an expression, particularly Anson Mount and Babs Aluson Mekun. The character work done in this show and the series has been the best since Deep
3: Space Nine.
2: Bam! Mic drop, Nora. Thank you so much. Top yeah, you fan. Know, Eric, cast. I yeah.
3: actually had to go and count those stars
2: <laughs> <laughs> to
1: make sure well, they I were think, 10. And-
2: I counted them as well. And, you know, I ca- if a star is times 1, then I count 10 uh, times 10 as a 100. So I think Nora gave it a 100, actually. But, of course, that is averaged and rounded down to 10. So thanks, Nora. <laughs> All the stars provided an awful lot of joy. Uh, top fan Catherine V. Perillo said 9. Nothing gets a 10. But it was wonderful. I loved how Spock finally was able to relate to his mother, Amanda. I'm thrilled to see him actually telling her that he has feelings for her. I know. Gave me the warm fuzzies, too, Catherine. Thank you so much. Rebecca Carew said a 10. I waited 50-plus years for this episode. Oh, that's so sweet. David Liltonk Armstrong said an easy 10 with an exclamation point and probably one of the best episodes throughout the two seasons. Tons of funny moments and great character cohesion. Ethan Peck was impeccable in pulling off the human for the first time experience. Even the small digs were hilarious. Loved the attitude Ker- uh Kirkovians, Ker- uh, is that what they were called? Gave, you called me. Uh, yeah, hilarious. Thanks, David. I agree. Paul Dunlap gave it a 10 because it's one of the few Trek episodes in any series that I know my wife would love to watch with me. Yeah. That is an absolute reason to give it a 10, Paul. Sinead Hall says, has to be a 10. My favorite Strange New World so far. And really, the ensemble cast do humor brilliantly. It brought such joy. Top fan Corey Cloud gave it a 9.5. Great character development episode and
1: hilarious.
2: Top fan Richard Chang said, definitely a 10, probably because I'm a hopeless romantic Uh, Emoji with little hearts uh, swarming around it. I also loved how Spock defended his mom, Amanda, and finally understood the prejudice she experienced from Caprille and the other Vulcans. Thanks, Rich. Frida Perry Stelzer gave it a 9. I loved it. Spock has always been a favorite of mine. And to see the character evolve in Strange New Worlds is wonderful. Helen Williamson said, 10, loved the acting, showed a comedic side to Ethan's ability, which otherwise he wouldn't get a chance to do. I bet he loved it. I bet he did, Helen. Top fan Aaron Aikens said, I'm going with a 7. The premise of the episode was good, but, and I say this making it very clear that I'm not one of those it's an alternate timeline people, it is kind of weird how they're retconning, altering the Spock Chapel thing. I'm fine with all the changes to keep things current, push things forward. But this particular interpersonal relationship is just a wee bit odd. Uh, Aaron, I think we should talk about that. I think we should talk about that. So thank you so much for your comment there. Top fan Tammy Bus said, 10 exclamation point. My husband said that Spock was like a teenager trying to get a handle on his hormones and that Spock was going to run and get his My Chemical Romance t-shirt pretty soon if he didn't get fixed.
1: <laughs>
2: awesome, Tammy. Thank you. Top fan Nin Romer-sama, Romersama said, This episode gets a solid 8.5 from me. T'Pring was the star of the evening to me. She was truly wounded by Spock and couldn't understand why he acted the way he did. He felt shame understandable. But wouldn't a mind melt have given her all the info? Yes, it would. And his feelings for Chapel to his fiance, So I understand why he didn't suggest that. Her pain, that's the prings, was palpable. Chapel's line was also every strong uh, emotion, strong, was strongly emotionally driven. Lastly, I love that it was Uhura, Ortega's, and Chapel who drove off to save Spock, but not in the sense of girl power. <laughs> what one almost comes to expect these days, but merely that the best in their fields who can help Spock happen to be women. I totally agree. Pike was re- relegated to an almost comedic, but not slapstick role, and Anson Mount just nailed it. The camaraderie between the crew was obvious to me and could easily believe them all to be a single crew who have worked together for years. Last week felt a bit annoying at times, but this one was very, very good. Thank you, Nim. Krzysztof Swarski said an eight. It's definitely the best one of the season, but the goofy customer service aliens blew the whole thing. They could have brought back Benjamin Sisko to do a tie-in to the ascended beings who inhabited the Beta Quadrant wormhole. Such a potential wasted Mike Howell gave it a 9.5, only because I believe Ad Astra per Aspera is one of the best episodes of any Star Trek series. Cannot disagree with you, Mike. Top fan Timothy Bernard said, I go with an 8.5. Spock was just hilarious being a human, especially him saying, what the F? Him interacting with the crew as a human was great as he was, now has the... He, as he has now experienced the full spectrum of emotions, he really should have told Dupring what he was going, uh, what was going on. Though, but Christine finally admitting how she feels about Spock and that ending, ooh, sucks that we're already halfway through the season. But I'm looking forward to the rest of the episodes. Top fan Mary M. Hutchinson said ten. Peck was hilarious. Gordon Clay said nine. The way that Pike was inarticulate in explaining the combort the. Co- Kavorkians, how they mishandled spock's dna was sitcom level it's like suddenly he couldn't understand the most obvious mix-up and just tell them spock is half human half oak and not fully human he only needed one sentence to state the obvious but for some mysterious reason the guy who always knows what to say couldn't find the words other than that i love the whole episode thanks gordon john k underly said 10 out of 10 This episode really gets into the development of the TOS subplot of Chapel and Spock and sets the stage for a muck time, maybe? Hmm, maybe I'm getting old, but I don't remember any real backstory being developed in TOS until this episode of Strange New Worlds. Isn't it cool to have so much Trek that we have to use three-letter codes to delineate them? Totally agree, John. Thank you so much. Top fan Adam Hayes said 100, but sorry, Adam you're being downgraded to a 10. (laughs) Top fan Sean Jr. said a solid 11, also a 10. This episode had me in stitches. Top fan Brian Weeks said, I'd go with a 9. The snippy fart cloud portal aliens were the only detractors. At least they finally did right by Spock in the end. Fan score this week, gentlemen, of 9.4 which, so far as I understand, is actually our highest fan score this entire season, one-tenth of a point above Ad Astra per Aspra. So (laughs) what you got, Charles, for some backstory on this one?
4: Well, this was an interesting one to come up with some cadet training. I left out quite a few, and I'm sure people can find all kinds of tie-ins to this one if you look hard enough. Let's kind of look at Spock and Chapel. TOS, The Naked Times, Season 1, Episode 4. Amok Time, Season 2, Episode 1. Plato's Stepchildren, Season 3, Episode 10. And, of course, Strange New World, Spock Amok, Season 1, Episode 5. You'll definitely see a lot of connections of Chapel's feelings for Spock. Of course, we can't forget to Pring, which, of course, we recognize her from a Amok Time. Season two, episode one. This is a fun little screenshot of a man that's floating around there. TOS is Turnabout Turnabout Intruder. Season three, episode 24. When you see Sam raise his hands up in defense, that was the same, same, same pose that Kirk had in that episode. TOS's Journey to Babel, Season 2, Episode 10. We get to see Amanda. We've also learned the fact that Spock is not dysphoric in a long period of time. And while we're on that same top three, Will You Take My Hand, Season 1, Episode 15, Such Sweet, Swa- Such Sweet Sorrow, Part 2. Season 2, Episode 14, are going to give you examples of Amanda Grayson, Spock's mother. So I guess we might want to actually talk about this episode.
2: Yeah, and Charles, you know what I'll do? I feel it's fair to, even though last week was really the Cage Connection episode, with the sort of emotional Spock connection, I would slide the cage into there just a little bit, too, because we get the smiles, right? Yeah. Um.
4: I think you also get uh naked t- I think it's naked time. We get uh slightly yeah. emotional spark also. Drug
2: drug induced uh emotional yep. spark.
4: <laughs> yep. but
2: you're still, yeah, but you still have yeah. No, you're right. You're totally
4: right. There are definitely some hints of Spock's Spock sometimes in his emotions.
2: Well and they say in uh naked time, don't they say that it's actually it takes away their inhibitions, right? So yeah. there you go.
3: And don't forget this side of Paradise where he falls in love with um, that blonde oh, woman. Yeah. There. Also drug-induced. Yeah, we well, those were scores.
1: Well,
4: as we said, we've gotten the of drugs. Can't,
3: <laughs> can't stay away from the drugs. <laughs>
4: There's so many TOS episodes we could tie in. We just don't have time to tie them all in.
2: It's true.
3: See, uh, David, why don't we put the spotlight on you and get you can get us you can get this whole train a rolling tonight? Yes.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs>
0: um, this particular episode, I was a little uh, bummed out on, but I don't know. I guess I have to watch it a second time, which I kind of forgot to do. But the uh, I was a little. Pushed back a little bit. Um, uh, Taken aback, I guess you could say, with this whole um, emotional spot. I guess now hearing the history of all the TOS episodes that I completely forgot about, (laughs) it kind of makes sense of why he is the way he is, I suppose. But, um, yeah, he uh, he did a really good job. I uh, commend him for that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. I don't know. Uh, I guess I really don't have a lot to say except I always find that the father of that Tepui Vulcan guy was a little awkward. <laughs> I love this. Well, he was.
1: T- I he loved was totally him. Sub-
2: he was totally subservient to the mom. I mean, I think that was the thing. It was like he was like. He was like, I have an opinion, and the wife was like, I have an opinion, and he was like, I agree with my wife's opinion.
1: Yeah. I am pretty
2: sure. I am pretty sure that that Vulcan couple
5: lives on the Vulcan equivalent of the Upper West Side. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's like a, he teaches a grad course in English at Columbia, and yep. you know, it's just, it's just, it's, just they were hilarious. They were, they were almost like like uh, Seinfeld or Larry David characters. Those two, right? Oh my two, god, right? they and, so much more. And I mean that in a really good way.
1: Yeah, no, great. Um, you
5: know, yeah. I have more to say about that. Initially, you're like, you know, I mean, because it's. I think sometimes, and it's interesting. The show is its effect on us, right? Is sometimes we still have to go wait a second because there is so much more comedy uh, often on on Stranger Worlds than we're used to, right? Even in a serious episode, they they kind of go for it uh, a lot, and and these are really broadly drawn, kind of satirical representations of like vulcans but you know at the end of the day right they went with the whole what, what's the through line right oh my god your future in-laws i mean it has been a a joke of you know <laughs> grief for people for i don't know what 3000 years or so right the idea of like oh my god my in-laws
3: right and they went with that <laughs> in this
6: case you know Paul, the
1: only thing
3: the hilarious. only thing they that they could have done to make that better is if he had said to her, "Yes, dear." Mm. That,
5: <laughs> I, I, mean, I would have lost it. Yeah. You know <laughs> when he bite when he bites in the appetizer, this is delicious, and then he's like, "Oh, I didn't." It's like he's chastised. Yeah. You know, I was like, "I think he's a agent in training." <laughs> yeah, she's the wife is definitely the one wearing the uh, wearing the the you know the uh, well what's the thing that will not get me in trouble. Uh, by saying uh, she seems to be the more dominant personality in the
2: relationship. Let's just go.
5: say that. So yeah, i do not want to Date
2: myself too badly,
5: yeah, but, well, she, but hilarious,
2: hilarious. I mean, just, and she it was, dropped it. She dropped a little Easter egg, which to me was something that I noticed. She talks about when she's talking to uh, Spock and sort of dressing him down about all the, you know, problems that he has, which apparently is part of a pre-marriage ritual, which I think is hilarious. You get a chance to sort of. Tell the other person what you really think about him. Tapril <laughs> points out that there are other Vulcan men who would happily take Spock's place. And to me, that is totally talking about Stan, right? Ston yeah, from totally. TOS, yeah. So that's and cool because forget, we, we saw him.
1: Yeah.
3: Ston is hanging out with Cybok right now. So, yes. You know. Stalin <laughs> and Cyborg. Let's not forget Cybok. Yeah, when we, are they going to be go putting that guy in? Before we go too far, though, David, what was your score
0: before ah. we forget? Oh, man. Um, if I would have thought the second time, I probably would have gotten a little higher. But for some reason, seven is screaming at me right now. I'm giving it a, a seven, yeah.
1: Hmm, interesting, David.
3: Seven and no, no decimal?
1: <laughs> yeah, this is seven. Point zero. <laughs> point zero. Okay, seven, <laughs> seven point zero. <laughs> Uh,
3: well i gotta say you know i heard a lot of fans complaining that where's captain pike he's not in it. you know blah 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 and it it makes me laugh because
1: fans complaining that's
3: so unusual it's weird, man. I, I've I never know, heard of that. Fans complaining. I've never encountered they, that ever. That's so strange. They <laughs> complain that Michael Burnham <laughs> does everything every week and solves and solved every problem. So they don't like Discovery because of that. And then Well, we you have, know why that is, right, man? Strange New World, and they're, like, complaining because Pike isn't solving everything and doing everything. So it's like, what is the deal here, people? Call well, I know what my interest.
5: life
2: is. standard.
3: I know what my life experience <laughs> has
5: been, Jim. If you want something done, ask a woman and it'll get done. That- Yes, dear. <laughs> It'll get done. It'll get done. You may end up doing more of it than you ever dreamed of, but it will get done. I promise you. Uh, dudes talk a lot, but we don't always perform. man. Nope. Um, and uh, if you want something done, a dicey situation, I'm, I'm actually driving around the men and I'm asking the women. I mean, that's the way it is in my workplace if I want to depend on somebody being actually – sorry, gentlemen, but you know we've only got like 2,000 years of this behavior as evidence <laughs> behind us what
3: <laughs> what you, you got to do is you have to unplug it and plug it back in. That will fix it. Have you well, tried turning I, it off and on again? <laughs> I I enjoyed uh this episode. I I, wa- I think I was with David. I was kind of like, what? But what won me over, well, not won me over. I enjoyed it, but what what pushed me over the edge was Amanda. And when, I, when, when Amanda showed up, first of all, uh, tying a, Amanda to Discovery, uh, forget about this alternate timeline garbage. Here she is, okay? So stop that. So that anytime they use someone from Discovery, I'm like, great. Let's see some Laurel show up sometime maybe. But at any rate, so I thought Amanda was great. But the thing that really won me over was the reverse discrimination angle with Amanda and the Vulcans discriminating against humans. That won me right over. I was like, you know, that, that put it right up there with Ad Astra Espira for me. It was just the opposite of that. And it wasn't, it was just like, you know, what Spock says to her when she finds out he's human and he takes off the fake ears and, and she just got done stressing him down that a human could never do that. and You're disabled and you have disabilities and, and like popped off the ears. Guess what, lady? I'm human. You know, I loved it. That put me over the edge. And another one of our viewers mentioned the, the Spock telling his mother how he felt about her. That got me all gushy. I was like, wow, this is awesome. That scene put it over the top for me. Spock eating bacon? Come on. <laughs> you know, I was like, he's just eating it all. And Pike's like, oh, don't you think you should slow down? He's like, I'm making up for lost time. And he's just shoving the bacon in, you know. And then he's talking about, do I smell? Human smell. Do I smell? Ethan Peck just nailed it. He nailed it. He hit it out of the park in this one. He's such a great actor. And he, he every scene that he was in was top notch. And his interactions with Chapel. You know, we're great as well. I mean, the whole thing, the the alien uh, people there, the, the Kirkov, the Kirkovians. Kirkovians. Kirkovians? I'm like, Kirk-o-vians. wait a second. <laughs> there's, this, there's a Vulcan moon with this ancient civilization hanging out there, and the Vulcans never checked it out. No one ever checked it out. No one ever went there until Spock crashed a shuttle into it. You know, food for thought. But overall, I got to say, I loved it. I loved everything about it. I, I, I watched it three times, and I love the Vulcan husband. He just steals the show for me, you know. He wants to play charades. He wants to eat all the food. Um, he was great. So for me, I'm going with a 10.10. 10. <laughs>
2: Average down to a 10.
1: <laughs> I average down to a 10. <laughs> rain him in,
3: rain him in, folks. Rain him in. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my take on it. How about you, Charles?
6: Charles,
2: you're on mute. Charles, you're
5: on mute. This is like when you're waiting for the yes, transmission to come back from Mars, right? You're there we go. we <laughs> yeah,
4: right. Was trying to be quiet so the cat didn't disrupt us.
1: Uh I think
4: it's the first time we've really gotten to see Ethan Peck get his comical side out. He could be funny. I think the fa- I think the fact that just straight through this, straight through we go from even how even his reaction when the ladies talk about how to speak. And he's like, I speak like that It's like you do So the the friends got to have a little fun with Spock. Our little alien crew kind of gave me a little bit of a similarity to the the group of aliens we had in Discovery, which was an interesting group of aliens. We talked about, oh, well, we wanted to go someplace and see something new. Okay, we found a new group. I'm not sure why the Vulcans hadn't researched this, but maybe the Vulcan science department was a little too busy trying to find uh, a few new students to add to their collective. I thought Chappell's determination and how we're showing how she reacts against Spock how she enjoys, but isn't sure how to how to deal with the human Spock. But we got a good, interesting side of Chapel this time via what her feelings towards Spock is and her determination to help him as far as she can. And... I'm sure everybody else has got a few more ideas they can throw in on this one. I'm going to jump up to about 9.5 on this one. Not quite a 10, but I think it's up there.
3: Well, that's pretty respectable. It's, it, you got the yeah. decimal in there, which I wasn't allowed to do, but that's okay. How about you, Eric?
1: Uh, wow. Yeah,
2: I totally dug on this episode. Um, all of the stuff that you guys have already touched on, I thought was great. Um, you know, Amanda and the cool energy aliens that sounded like a really friendly AI or something. I don't know. I love the way that they talked. It was kind of like matter of fact, which I appreciate in my aliens. (laughs) Um, it was a fun episode. You know, it wasn't very deep, but it, I felt like it had some good character development. It had some good, like, character moments, which made it really, really fun to watch. So in the end, I was left just feeling good. Like, I had had fun watching an episode of Star Trek, which I which I totally like. Um, plus, there were just plenty of Easter eggs. I mean, you're looking around at TOS connections and stuff like that. You know, Chapel talking about Corby's Three Poles. And you know, you'll remember that in what little girls are made of, there's like a romantic interest between Chapel and Corby. So there was that sort of connection. Um, there was the fact that the Kirkovians, like you were saying, Jim, you know, being around a Vulcan uh, moon that was around the Vulcan star was kind of kind of interesting. And I felt like they could almost wedge that in there somehow, so it didn't really bug me too much. I also absolutely noticed right away that green tunic that pike was wearing you know the one with the little sideways um starfleet emblem at the belt uh which was very reminiscent of um Kirk from some episode, I don't know, in the original series. I definitely remember seeing that, though. And then there was even a Star Trek Enterprise connection, because you'll remember that T'Pol in Enterprise is the first one to talk about how Vulcans use nasal suppressants around humans to keep the stink down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it was cool (laughs) that
2: they brought that back (laughs) as well. Um, Yeah, oh, I'll just... I want to leave something. I just want to mention one other thing, though. The the whole like knit cap thing, like what um, Spock did in uh, Star Trek IV to hide the, his ears, but in this case, Spock was hiding that he didn't have pointed ears. So that just kind of felt like a fun sort of callback to a moment in Star Trek history. So, at any rate, uh, I loved this episode. Um, it, like I said, it made me feel good when I watched it, and I. I love episodes that kind of step outside the box just a little bit. Um, You know, I love the one from season one, uh, which I always forget the name of, but the the sort of theater one with uh, Mbenga as the king and his daughter and all that sort of stuff. I I just, I love it when Star Trek takes that risk and goes out there and tells a cool story, maybe even outside the sort of believable Star Trek uh, spacey genre, you know, science fiction genre, so uh what will i give this one i feel like this episode deserves a nine like it it didn't do anything profound for me but i had an absolutely amazing time watching it so i'll give it a solid nine
3: well paul you get to bring up the caboose you've heard what everyone else thinks and
2: all right man wrap
3: it all up for us and bring this bad boy home all right. Well, I'm going to
5: join in, uh, gang, and also confide that I really enjoyed the hell out of this episode, especially in the wake of last week's previous one. You know, the uh, the uh, that we discussed at length.
2: <laughs> yeah, <week>. the four. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this
5: this was just a breath a breath of fresh air, right? Um it, it it there's a few minutes where you you get the bends at the first cuz it's such a change of tone and it is just a real emphasis on comedy, right? Which they really go for. I mean, it's they they really, you know, set it out there. Um uh and I think one of the things that's great is, is as Charles and everyone else has pointed out, you know, it's really a great showcase to see what other kinds of things that Ethan Peck can do. I mean he did a terrific job. I mean he you know walked right up to the glass of being over the top with his, you know, uh, uh demonstrations of the different emotions, right? But he he never crossed the line and went too far. <laughs> like when he's yelling at George Kirk. He's you know, just
3: completely
5: completely out of control. It was great. I um, will you break
3: know. you. I will yeah, break he, you.
5: Uh, even with the bacon thing, it's just like it's almost too much, right? But it's just like he, he 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 managed to sell it, and it was really great. I I don't know how many takes that they had to did, do to find the right tone, but they really did.
1: And I think <laughs> how he much did a ter- – Bacon?
5: Did he eat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he did a great job right i mean uh, and i, I I'm, I'm agreeing it's just every the whole you know the in-laws vibe was just great right we talked about that it's just classic new york style comedy um that i am a big fan of you know it's like a it's like a weird sci-fi episode of the marvelous mrs Maisel, right <laughs> that's, that's you know what i felt like we were, were getting into a little bit there but uh but super entertaining and uh you uh, know we uh I would say uh, I don't want to get the wrong vibe here at all. Uh, the only thing that initially uh, threw me for a bit of a loop that i just think is just, you know, you just got to accept it. Right. But, but, uh, and I know she's played the character before for eight episodes on discovery. So it's no shock there, but I think Mia Kirshner as wonderful as she is, is just not, I think she's kind of miscast as uh, as Amanda Grayson, right? She's only 11 years older than Ethan Peck, right? And I think she just looks too young to be a mother of this, you know, 30-year-old dude, right? I just think she looks too young. And please, don't get me wrong or throw me off the show for this, okay? Please don't under- don't misunderstand me. I love boobs. Okay, I do. I'm a big fan. But she just looked ridiculous with this, you know, bustier pushing her boobs up where they're practically, you know, against her chin like she's in some Elizabethan bodice ripper. I'm like, what the hell? I mean, it was just preposterous looking. Really weird choice uh, of costuming there. So I I found the Amanda character a little off. I mean, she did a great performance, though. And uh, you're by the time they do the scene where, you know, Spock's actually able to say – to confide his feelings to her, I think that they the tone was good, but I just you know I'm ready to go with it. I'm ready to accept that this is this reality, this show's version of Amanda, um, but I think she's just miscast. I think she's just too young, and which is meant as a compliment, you know. Doesn't show me an actress that doesn't want to be. Accused of being too young <laughs> So
0: I don't think you can
5: find one um, It definitely makes me wonder If we're going to be seeing Zarek again In the near future, right? Because here we are So I think we're super curious uh, I know Jim is super curious to see uh, That other Vulcan Whose name we won't mention um, But
2: uh, <laughs> Way more starts interesting with an Starts with that, an S, ends with Valk yeah,
5: Reminds with uh, <laughs> uh, rem- Rhymes with Minoc. Uh Yeah Yeah um, uh, I I'm way more interested in, in, in having Sarah come back because I just I think that those family dynamics, the uh the whole business between fathers and sons and you know, Spock's a great uh vehicle uh for exploring anybody who uh has uh, mixed parentage in their life. You know, be they be they two different uh bits of parentage, however you want to do that from a race perspective, from a religious perspective, however you want to approach it. Um, what they did here, where they basically extracted one half of that duality out of the character is is a great way for a lot of people to find ways to relate to those circumstances in their life. Right. Uh, and, and you know, great allegory. Um, I think the reason it worked so well and uh, and didn't come across as being preachy is because they chose to do it in a comedic, satirical way. So it gives you a lot more freedom to explore those things and that people, you people know, be less uncomfortable. So I think it was a really smart choice. Um, we were super critical of the writing on the show last week. Uh, I'm just the opposite. This particular week. I think the writing on this one is super, super, super strong. Um, One of our fans was commenting about the customer service aliens. I thought that was an hilarious way of identifying. (laughs)
1: Because they were. It was
5: like, I'm going to put you on hold because it's like, you know, (laughs) you don't need to call us back. It's like, it was an odd choice, but, you know, (laughs) maybe that's just how they chose to interpret, you know, I mean, if aliens were to look at us, um, I will share this with you, gentlemen after the show. Um, but I saw this thing, somebody asked an AI what people look like in each of the 50 States.
1: (laughs) It's one of the most
5: disturbing and accurate things I've ever seen in my life. It was just horrific. So it was just like, if aliens did decide to like probe us and and say, what do you, how, what do we need to frame up to interact with humans? (laughs) They probably would have chosen something really weird. Uh, like that. The one thing I, I, and I'll just give you my score real quick. I'd give this absolutely a nine without question. This is a nine episode. Um, Really, really strong and really uh, evokes good feelings and, and makes you, reminds you yet again, how really great this cast is. I mean, everyone's like, why isn't Pike doing more? Well, you know, I think he's doing just fine, but he's the anchor of an ensemble is an ensemble show, clearly, and everyone rotates through and gets their time to shine, right? And uh, as, does, uh, as does Pike. So, you know, get hung up on that is what I would say. Um, what's really interesting, and I'm still thinking about it myself, right? Because I don't know that I'm – and I'm not a big adherent slave to canon at all. I think everybody should have their own freedom to try and spin stuff out there. But, wow, that ending – was a cannon buster big time, right? I mean, really. I mean, it, uh, you know, uh, you know but, old but school how, TOS, old school TOS, you, it was always unrequited love, right? She was always somebody who admired him from afar. They'd never had any kind of, a,
2: you know, anything in was the Was that past. specifically defined, though, or was it, could it have just been that, like, what we saw in TOS was sexual tension post the things that happened here?
5: I feel like when she at one point says to him, I'm in love with you, Mr. Spock, in the original series, that she is saying that to him for the first time.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't
5: think there's any misinterpreting that line reading at all. It's something that she's been holding inside of her and she's been afraid to uh, confess out. for years. Right. And, and she's sure. finally, you know, got the. The, the bravery to just say it and Majel's not with us to confirm that line reading but I'm, that's what I've always got it and I've seen those I've seen it a jillion times I think most people would agree but so it's a, it is really different to go down there, this road and, and sort of you know push the cannon off the deck of the ship if you will which, which is what they did really and I think that that's okay I think that every generation gets its own thing I don't think it's really good to be slavishly adherent to dogma In any way, shape or form. Okay, I'm not a guy that thinks that we should, you know, follow what the founding fathers, you know, said about, you know, firearms, because they would have been terrified by a refrigerator. So I don't think this is, you know, how we should be slavishly, you know, uh, in in thrall to the past as a rule book that we must abide by or our heads will explode right it's like everything's got to you know you got to give some freedom of uh, of uh, of exploration right and i think all that really matters from an audience's perspective watching something new is if it breaks the rules is suspension of disbelief maintained right do you believe that what you're seeing could happen maybe is it done convincingly so it doesn't seem like totally implausible because we see a lot of times uh stuff that you're like oh come on this would never occur i can't buy it because of the way it's executed but on this i felt that i was i, I did buy it and i feel like those actors sold it to me and i'm really it left me not going oh god how dare they have that consummated you know attraction spelled out that seems in defiance of TOS, it left me more really curious to see where they go with this. Right. Especially where Spock's going to return to, you know, his norm now and, and all this stuff is in both of their wakes. You know, the unsaid has been said and that's really interesting stuff uh, for drama and for comedy as well. So I, a strong nine for me right up there with Ad Astra Um I am uh, you know I'm kind of uh, I hope they can maintain the uh, inertia and equilibrium for the rest of the season cuz it was really great uh, really fun for me and and delightfully done and uh, ready for uh, hey uh, Paramount Plus ready for the spin-off uh, series with Spock's parents okay we're all ready
3: for that <laughs> well I just wanted to it was one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about and that is this. Do they have replicators on the enterprise? Because Pike is growing his own herbs. He's got this big flame. He's making bacon. He's making food. Do they have a replicator on this enterprise, or do they make their own food?
4: Jim, you heard Pike say "Don't you don't use replicated, replicated. Yep. Replicate herbs. You use yep. fresh herbs.
2: He said that in this he episode.
4: He is still old school. He wants the fresh foods. He doesn't want the replicated.
5: It's his choice. So they do have a replicator. Yeah. He just chooses not yes. to yes. use it. Yeah. Yes. So we're assuming, we're assuming this is
3: not real bacon, though.
5: I mean, from a, a slaughtered animal, I'm guessing. Probably not. Oh, well, you
3: got that... That's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't think they have pigs running around. Because I'm really – I mean,
5: this is something that just recently now has started to come into being in our lives, right? We're, we will be experiencing this in the months of, years, if not months to come. They're now able to grow meat in a lab independent of a, of a living animal, and that's coming. It's actual meat. It's chicken. It's beef. It's whatever it is, but it's lab-grown. Right. And there's no death involved. There's no slaughter involved. They're just basically growing the meat devoid of, apart from conscious life forms that can be eaten and enjoyed. So there's no guilt. There's no violence. There's none of that. So I'm assuming it's something like that in the future that maybe is where this bacon's coming from. But uh, I'm super excited for that stuff to get here. I, don't, I know people will freak out and, you know, soil and green or yeah. whatever, but it's just okay, well, come on,
3: let's try it. And I, you know, I love, I love the way the enterprise looks. It's a lot bigger than the TOS enterprise. I mean, look at the size of Pice quarters. Look at the size of the engine room. Um, I mean, it's a much larger ship, appears to be. 2023, it's not the 1960s anymore. And I like the new um, aesthetics of the ship. Uh, like, Paul said, even though they don't go with cannon, um I still like the way the ship looks i don't I, you know they have the nice, spacious rooms and Pike's got a fireplace in there and he's making bacon and he's growing herbs and I, I like the feel of the ship it kind of has that t n g enterprise d like cruise ship feel and i I like that it doesn't bother me at all that the ship doesn't look exactly like the uh uh, TOS that's up at Ticonderoga so I enjoy <laughs> that. I just want and then the ship to... gets
0: refitted and then everything got smaller.
3: <laughs> yeah, they and and th- they've already they've already explained why because Pike has a crew of 200 and Kirk has a crew of 400, so they cut the size of the ship in half and an explanation. All right, so Charles, overall, what is our score and how does it compare to our land well, score?
4: Ah, actually, this is the third week in a row the fans have topped us. The fans gave us a nine point four. We're at an eight
3: point nine. Wow. Hmm. That's really because there were no I tens
2: went... in our group. I mean, there were there were no tens. Well, I, and...
3: I, I, I what was the lowest score? 10. Who who had the lowest David's. score? Uh, what David. was yours again, David? We're gonna blame it and... We're blaming
1: it's it on the Would you give a it a seven? It. Yeah. No more donuts uh, okay.
3: for David.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no way, he's supposed to bring <laughs> the donuts.
3: Yeah. Let's <laughs> yeah. not
1: ask
5: David to bring the water either, okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, <no> water. <laughs>
4: he's been drinking too much homemade water.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> not even
4: Kool-Aid, it's water. It's the water.
0: Wah, wah, wah. Uh-oh, I guess Portland water is not good no more. <laughs> no, oh made
3: water, bro. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to chew your water, there's a problem.
1: <laughs> All right.
3: Well, that wraps up our review of Charades. And uh, I don't even know what is the title of this week's episode. I haven't looked yet. Lost in Translation. Okay, Lost in Translation, which is on Paramount Plus right now. We'll be talking about that next week. You can head over to our Facebook page tomorrow morning around 8, 9 o'clock. I'll have the poll up, and you can vote. You can tell us what you thought about the episode on Friday. All right, guys. Well, you know what time it is? It's time for the
1: birthdays. <laughs>
3: That was not a Klingon song. Okay. Every week we start out our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric.
2: Yeah, Jim. This week we have six remembrances uh, that we're going to burn through here. Uh, The very first is actor Peter Durea, uh, who we lost back in 2013. He's the actor who portrayed... Jose Tyler in the TOS first pilot episode, The Cage, uh, of course, then later uh, edited down to The Menagerie Parts 1 and 2. Uh, Peter was the son of veteran actor Dan Duria, uh, and he actually acted in around 30 films and television guest star roles throughout the 1960s. Uh, he was first intended to actually be a regular performer on that Star Trek show from that first uh you know, initial episode. And he was extremely thrilled saying a TV series will be good for me. So early in my career. Uh, but then when Star Trek was recast for its second pilot, where no man has gone before, he was devastated because he was dropped from the show at the time. He said, it knocked me out. He later admitted uh, the North Ad- uh, to the North Adams transcript. He said, when I lost that role cried for two weeks, but he was not too dejected because he went on later after his sort of acting career. In 1973, he moved to British Columbia with his partner, Jan Bryan, and he developed a documentary production company specializing in ecological and social awareness, as well as the Guiding Hands Recreation Society, which is a nonprofit society with the aim of promoting the value of nature. So cool that he sort of showed up in Star Trek later lost uh, that part but you know through the acting actually ended up doing some socially conscious stuff so Peter Durea thank you so much uh, for your contributions would have had a birthday here on July 14th happy birthday happy birthday as well to Sid Haig yeah Uh, I would say a legend. Uh, he's the actor who played the first lawgiver in the TOS first season episode, The Return of the Archons. Uh, including his Trek role, Haig appeared in over 350 episodes of various television shows in over 50 films, beginning with the short film, The Host, in 1960. He also appeared twice in uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, which I always like to mention because Jim loves that stuff. Haig is probably best known for his roles in numerous B-movies and exploitation films, mostly horrors uh, from the 60s all the way up until now. And he's, you know, appeared in stuff more recently like Rob Zombie stuff, low-budget films like High on the Hog and House of the Dead, Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown and Kill Bill 2, T.J. Hooker with William Shatner. What has Sid Haig not been in? He's got that creepy face and you just know it when you see it, right? Do you wanna say anything about Sid here, Paul? Oh,
5: just that I'm a huge fan, dude. I mean it is just nuts. I mean it's just like I I, I, I love dudes like this. I love actors who who just it seems like they probably never had a day
1: off. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. It's just yeah,
5: yeah i mean it's just you would see him on everything uh, he had a million bit roles uh in you know from the late 60s to the you know mid 70s right a lot of type grindhouse movies uh really started to uh you know make his way uh into things in like the late 70s and early or excuse me late 60s and early 70s where uh, those kind of pictures started to really come into their own uh, in the waves of like uh, uh, black exploitation pictures, right? He was in THX 1138, by the way, too. For George yes, Lutas, he was. Right. He was in that. He did a Bond movie. He was in Diamonds are Forever. Um, uh, but where the blob um, uh, and then, you know, he started to find uh, uh, things like movies like the, when the black exploitation movement took off, that's really where uh, he started to become more popular. Like movies like coffee, like with Pam Greer, um Um, the don is dead shaft shaft foxy brown i mean savage sisters i mean it's just all these great pictures and and then he would show up you need a bad guy to just show up and intimidate who you could believe would be scary and intimidating for your hero six million dollar man rockford files that kind of thing oh yeah you're gonna call sid right and he's just great he's just really a, a great presence Um, He's been in tons and tons of stuff. And then you mentioned more recently, you know, his Rob Zombie, uh, you know, uh, turn of uh, (laughs) pictures like what Lords of Salem and uh, all those different things. Right. He's been in tons and tons of pictures like this. Right. Um, uh, He was in Kill Bill. Uh, I think one of the ones recently that probably is the one he's most famous for, where he does his most convention appearances now is probably for The Devil's Rejects where he plays Captain Spaulding. Right? I mean, crazy <laughs> crazy movie that Rob did, but it's just got a massive cult following, right? And uh and Sid's, you know, front and center in that stuff. So he's all over the place, but really great, uh oh and, and, and uh phenomenal. One of the I love Westerns and there aren't very many good ones made at all anymore, but there's a really terrific Kurt Russell Western called Bone Tomahawk um, that Sid's in, and if you have not seen it, Run, Don't Walk. Super disturbing, um, makes it really hard to go to sleep, (laughs) which is what you always think of with a Sid Haig movie, right? But yeah, just uh, really, really cool.
2: Awesome. Well, happy birthday. Uh, Sid would have had the birthday on July 14th, uh, 1939, he was born. You guys want uh, to
3: talk to a fan? Sure. We, we have a fan on the line who might want to talk about Sid. I'm not sure. But let me see if the gremlins are worked out on my thing because sometimes it doesn't want to cooperate. So let's see what happens here. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Shrek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Kabbalah, my brothers. This is Ray. Ray,
1: Hey, Ray? My brother? Hey.
3: Yeah, how you guys doing today? Right, we're, we're we're doing great. How, how are you doing, Ray?
6: I'm fine, but you know i don't have, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to them too you because I'm watching right now. But your man over there just I mean you know just no, just too no, my supplies. I want to teach you hooker right now. No 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 no. Teach you hooker. Oh, teach you hooker. Yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I follow Amazon. I follow, I follow Amazon like, like like last week.
3: DJ Hooker. Did you ever wish I had top? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I
6: put on Amazon like last week.
3: And and you're, you you watched all of it?
1: Uh, you know, I'm
6: right now. How much is season? Right now, how much is the last season five? Right now.
3: Well, wow, clowns. you're dedicated, clown's right?
6: No, my brother, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my brother, I'm telling you. I went to, to, to Amazon like the other day, right? Like, like like last week, right? And it, 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 it was a piece two of DVD for about like um, forty nine dollars. Man, I grabbed that joint so fast, you just don't know. Can you help me? I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. Hold on. Hold on, man. guys. I was saying, well, 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 don't you know how long it took me to watch all five seasons? All five seasons of this joint, and it took like a week and, 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 and we get a half. Wow. That's a lot of TV watching, man. No, 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 like you no, 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 you know what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm right now. So you know what i saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm You know you You know my i going ballistic. You know. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? on the phone. You know what I'm saying? You know
1: what
6: i You 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 i you no, you know what I'm saying? So guys,
1: guys,
6: guys, 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 back. guys, do you want to, forget, I mean, I don't know, like I said, I know guys are talking like that, but I saw that game this morning. Listen, I... Can you help me before you do it? You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know what I'm saying? Like you know what I'm saying? Over here, you Ray. You know Absolutely. I'm on, on yeah. packs what podcasts. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know what I'm saying? But guys, like I say. Like I said, I'm a guy, bro. You know what I'm saying? i was going to close with
3: you guys, you know what I'm saying? And I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for calling, All buddy. All right, we'll talk to you later, Ray. Thank hey, you. Good, no good luck when the, uh, when the Mets play the Yankees next week. We'll see who
1: comes hey, out hey. on hey. top in that one. Hey.
3: Yeah, up. <laughs> All right, you know what? You know what?
1: You
6: know what? You know what? I'm going to say that word right now. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm going well, to keep it to myself. I'm going to keep to myself. We'll see what happens. You know? Right, like I say, you're, 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 Let's say, God, I, I gotta go. Right, you're, you're, you
3: know what I'm saying? All right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you take care, of you guys. I call, call guys that way. Kapla, my brothers, kapla. Oh all
1: God. right. Have a great
3: night, Ray. Thanks for calling. Kapla.
1: Okay.
3: All right, guys. That was Ray from the Bronx. I think
5: we, we, we need, to make, a, we need to make a, a little little. Jim. Jim, and, Jim, we need to uh, make a disclaimer, Jim.
1: Jim, we need to make
5: a disclaimer. A disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, Trek talking is in no way responsible for the marital difficulties or divorces of anyone who may call into the co- the show. <laughs> <laughs> calling you to the show calling you to the show does entail by itself an act of involuntary risk that you assume by being willing to talk. Anything that occurs in your house that ends up being uh, detrimental to you or your uh, in house relationships is no fault of the staff or participants. Or broadcast on
2: talking. the
5: air. Yeah. Podcast yeah, on
3: yeah. the air. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <constantly>. that, <laughs> we got that out of the way now. now we're okay.
1: <laughs> and you say,
3: Yes, dear. That's the correct response. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, we're going to be in All trouble right, for that.
1: <laughs>
3: you can <laughs> continue great. on. All I right, I don't know how you you're going to follow that up, but you're, you're well, have to ride. You
2: know, it's okay because I feel like the you know the remembrance of this show is like a an exercise in, not only in solemnity but also in celebration. So I feel like I can do both. So we're just going to move right on to. Actor Kevin, or excuse me, Ken Lynch, who would have had a birthday this week, uh, he played vanderberg in the original series <laughs> this season episode "The Devil in the Dark." One of those uh, really, really good classic episodes from TOS. This role was one of some 200 other television appearances that he made throughout his career. Perhaps best known for his role as Police Sergeant Grover in the TV series mcleod from 1972. Through 1977, he was also part of the extensive cast of the 1983 miniseries, The Winds of War. Made appearances in lots of cool movies, run silent, run deep, uh, anatomy of a murder, North by Northwest, *Tora! Tora! Tora!* Tor, are you kidding me? Uh, character actor Ken Lynch all over the place, particularly throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to actor Ken Lynch. Also, remembering this week, Nan Martin. Nan Martin was the uh, American actress who portrayed Victoria Miller in the Next Generation first season episode, Haven. She also voiced the character of Admiral Tsubar in the Captain Sulu Adventures story, Envoy. Martin received a Tony Award nomination for her performance in the 1958 through 1959 Broadway play, JB, which she worked with, uh, guess who? Christopher Plummer, General Chang himself. On television, Martin was best known perhaps for her recurring role as Mrs. Louder on the television comedy series The Drew Carey Show. And when it comes to film, uh, some people consider her most notable role to be that of Mrs. Ben Patimkin in the 1969 Paramount Pictures romantic comedy Goodbye, Columbus. She's got a little Freddie connection, too, Jim. I know you love this. She plays Amanda Krueger, the mother of Freddy Krueger, in the 1987 horror movie Nightmare on Elm Street 3,
0: Dream Warriors.
2: So Nan Martin. That's awesome. Crossing all sorts of genres. Happy birthday and lots of love. And remembrances going out to Nan Martin. Also happy birthday to Philip Pine, uh, actor lost way back in 2006, but he was born in 1920, so he did live to be 86 years old. He was the actor who portrayed Philip Green in the original season, or original series third season episode The Savage Curtain another classic. 183 acting credits on IMDb. Uh, a very storied actor all over the place. He's guest starred in all sorts of television, like uh, Adventures of Superman, Gunsmoke, The Untouchables, Twilight Zone. Um, So I was like, where do I start with this guy? So I went with other Star Trek connections. So Philip Pine played the brother of Leonard Nimoy's character in a 1959 episode of Wagon Train called the Esteban Zamora story. So there's one. He also co-starred with James Doohan, I think you know that name, in a 1951 episode of Tales of Tomorrow and a 1963 episode of Bonanza. He also worked with William Shatner and Yvonne Craig in a 1973 episode of Manix. So lots of little connections. There's a Mark Leonard connection in there, too. Philip Pine would have had a birthday on July 16th, born 1920. Happy birthday and remembrances going out to Philip Pine. And our last remembrance this week, guys, goes out to Camille Saviola, who, of course, played Kai Opaka, one of the good ones, in four episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, Kai Opaka, just uh, one of those characters you just – when she's gone, I'm not going to tell you how she's gone, but when she's gone, you're just sort of heartbroken. Uh, She graduated from the prestigious High School of Music and Art in Manhattan, dropped out of college after a year in order to learn acting. Uh, She used to be in a female rock band back in the 70s called the Margot Lewis Explosion, which I just love that. Her Broadway credits include the part of Mema Maddalena in the original production of Nine and Matron Mama Morton in the revival of Chicago. So Chicago is just such a great show, and I can totally see her in that role. Love it. She was in a bunch of Woody Allen movies, and she has some uh, sitcom and other appearances throughout the rest of her career. But uh, as Kyle Paca, I just love her so much when she grabs Cisco's ear and tells him what's up with his paw. I just get goosebumps every time. So happy birthday and lots and lots in love, uh, of love going out to Camille Saviola. And that, you guys, does it for our Remembrances Week. So I'm going to pass this flaming birthday candle Over to Charles. Who you got, Charles?
4: Okay, thank you. Let's start off with Terry O'Quinn, who appeared as Admiral Eric Pressman in Star Trek's Next Generation seventh season episode, The Pegasus. Good or bad, Admiral Eric?
2: He's that one that ends up right on the line for me because I believe that he's got good intentions, but he makes bad decisions. So I, I put him right on the line between good and bad.
4: Interesting that he also played a captain and eventually an admiral in on JAG. He also appeared as a character in the in the series Lost, that one of our birthday boys last week. J.J. Abrams was working on. Happy birthday to Catherine Trowell, who played Captain. Fondra in Star Trek's Discovery third season episode Scavengers, and fourth season episode Anomaly. Margaret Rose, Icarus composer and musician, who played Elaine in Star Trek's Next Generation fifth season episode The Inner Light, and Kaparin in Star Trek's Deep Space Nine episode Hard Time. Uh couple of movies I thought was good. She appeared in Forty Eight Hours and Brewster's Millions to a Eugene Codero, American actor, writer and producer who voices Ensign Sam Rudford in Star Trek's Lower Deck. I love Rutherford. Yes. Oh, can't wait for our bird, lower decks crew to come bird, back.
3: What the fur?
4: Happy birthday to R.J. Williams, child actor who portrayed uh, Ian Troy in Star Trek's Next Generation second season episode, The Child, who is the founder of a digital,
5: digital video
4: platform, Young Hollywood. The company creates, distributes celebrity and lifestyle programs, globally owns several different leading entertainment brands, and licenses the young Hollywood trademark internationally for a range of consumer products and services. So decided to go out of acting and got into the industry. And my last one, which I'm sure everybody can come up with all kinds of roles he's done. A definite happy birthday to ben, to Benedict Cumberbatch, English actor who played Khan and Singh, aka John Harrison in Star Trek Into Darkness with well-known roles as Sherlock and Doctor Strange.
3: Anyone are going to comment on Benedict? Yeah, didn't he voice the dragon in The Lord of the Rings? Who? He, yes. yeah, he did. Smog. He did. In the Hobbit yeah. movies. <clears throat> yeah, in The Hobbit, he he was the dragon Smog.
4: Yes, he was.
0: I really liked him in the, uh, the Sherlock uh, shows that he did. Those yeah. were fun.
4: Yeah, those were good, good shows. Good, he did a good job with those. Well, if there are no more comments, then I'm going to pass the flaming candle over to Paul.
5: Thanks, Charles. Appreciate it, man. First of all, happy birthday to actor Tom Troop who portrayed Lieutenant Harold in the original series' first season episode, Arena. And I have a hunch we're going to be talking about a lot in a couple of weeks. Just a hunch. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of folks did not make it out of that episode, just uh, as memory serves. But Tom Troop, you're in a, a classic, man, one of, the, uh, one of the icons from day Was he one. the one
0: that played the Gorn? I don't
5: think so. I think he played Lieutenant Harold. Unless Lieutenant oh, okay. Harold was a Gorn and I was like, you know, uh, I missed that. I mean that's possible, but uh, you know, you know, us old guys, we forget a lot. You know what I'm saying, David? But uh <laughs> Moving on, uh, also from the original series Group, but in the movie aspect of uh, the universe, it's uh, birthday time for Judson Scott, who played Joachim in Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan. And if that's not enough, big Star Trek fan himself moved on to appear in next gen's episode Symbiosis. And here's where the worlds collide and the streams cross in crazy ways, because in Symbiosis, whoa, he was there with his Rathicon co-star, Merrick Buttrick. How about that? So all kinds of, uh, it's like, Hey man, my agent got me a job on both. So let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Plus on Voyager, Judson Scott had another role. He played Commander Rickar in Voyager episode Message in a Bottle. So that's a triple threat. Not a lot of uh, actors can say they were in three different aspects of the Star Trek universe. But Judson Scott can say it proudly. So pretty cool thing to be able to, uh, to claim on your resume. Uh, a lot of 8 by 10s happening when uh, convention season kicks up again uh, once the strike is over. More on that later. I'd like to also say happy birthday to Osric Chow, who played Oros in the Discovery fourth season episode, The Galactic Barrier. Uh, Excellent stuff there. Uh, Happy birthday as well to Caroline Junko King. She's the actress who played the young Keiko O'Brien in the Next Generation sixth season episode, Rascals. We were just talking about that last week. Easy to dismiss, but a really good episode. Very entertaining and well done. And all the actors who played the characters as kids, did a really spectacular job. And I remembering uh, Caroline Junko King's performance as Young Keiko, in particularly as one that was very compelling and convincing. So good work. And finally for me, we're going to uh, pay happy birthday respects to voice actor and comedian Carlos Jaime Alazaraki. <laughs> Sorry, Alazaraki. Uh, it's been a long week, Carlos. Apologies. Uh, Eve voiced Vice Admiral Les Buenamigo in the third season of Star Trek
2: Lower Deck. I just love that. That's
5: that such just, a great name, best yeah. admiral
2: name ever. But
5: Vice Admiral <laughs> Buenamigo, is everything going to be okay? Why, well, yes, it is. He said reassuringly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
5: don't don't question evil. your commanding officer. Evil. Just go with it. It will be fine. He's just, <laughs> he's just really, really. You think it says comedian? You think <laughs> this line is great? So I'm gonna have to seek out. Uh, Carlos uh, uh comedy work and check it out because uh, if you could be that funny doing uh, that kind of character I want to see what else you're doing Carlos so happy birthday brother hope you're having a great time and uh, enjoying celebrating yourself <laughs> which is what birthdays are all about I'm going to pass it over to Jim who's over in the corner uh, sharpening his batless.
3: <laughs> well, unfortunately I have no Klingons this week, but oh, I still pretty decent. Uh we wanna wish a very, very happy birthday. To, <coughs> excuse me. We wanna wish a very, very happy birthday to Hannah Hatate, who played Molly O'Brien in Star Trek The Next Generation 6 season episode, Rascal. There it is again, Rascal. And uh, she would go on to Deep Space Nine to play Molly in 11 episodes. So that is pretty cool. We also want to say happy birthday to Rosa Salazar, who is a Canadian-born American actress who appeared as Captain Lynn Lozano in Star Trek, Trek's episode, Trouble with Edward. He was an idiot. I love that episode. Um, it starts off with Captain Pike, if you guys don't remember. And to this my knowledge, as far as I know, it's the only Star Trek episode that has an after-credits scene. And if you haven't watched it, you want to go find it. It's really funny. Um, speaking of horror movies and Nightmare on Elm Street, we want to say happy birthday to Heather Langenkamp, who everybody knows as Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street. But we're talking about her Star Trek role. She kind of did a Mick Fleetwood on us. And she played the role of Mato, an alien Starfleet security officer in Star Trek Into Darkness. She was like a giant frog. You wouldn't even know it was her unless you knew it was her. But that's because her and her husband were the makeup people on that movie. So that's pretty neat. And the last birthday that I have on my list before we get some really, really interesting Star Trek news is we want to say happy birthday to Megal Sandu. The actress and model who played Angela Martine in Star Trek Strange New World's first season episode, Equality of Mercy. And that wraps up our Star Trek birthdays, and it's time for Star
0: Trek. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes
2: verified. Define parameters of program.
3: Level
0: 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Blank alert. Blank
3: alert. Okay, Paul, you get to kick us off this week. All right, man.
0: Uh,
5: Well, I'll tell you what. This is definitely a topic that is uh,
3: in no short supply
5: of uh, folks who are checking it out and talking about it these days because it's impacting a lot of folks. All I'm going to say to kick us off is that anyone who's – Anti-Union is selling something. Actors' strike set to impact Star Trek production and promotion, including summer conventions. Because, friends, after extended negotiations failed to come up with a new agreement, the SAG-AFTRA union of actors is called a strike against the Hollywood studios for work related to television and film. This is the first general actor's strike in decades. Now, Star Trek is already being represented, including Picard star Michelle Hurd, who is also on the SAG Negotiating Committee. This double strike is historic because it is the first time both SAG and WGA, the Writers Guild of America, have been on strike at the same time. Since even before my time of dinosaurs walking the earth, it's been back in 1960, so it's been a long, long time, friends, since we've had both guilds out on the same time. It's going to have a big impact on the industry in terms of both productions and how previously filmed projects end up being promoted. Now, a lot of specifics are still being sorted out. There are already immediate implications that are going to impact Star Trek in a big way. The most obvious impact of the double strike will be on the live-action production of anything Star Trek. Currently, I know it's amazing, but it's still great to celebrate. There are three different upcoming live Star Trek live-action projects that have yet to go into production, including the third season of Strange New Worlds. There's a Section 31 streaming movie and the first season of the new Starfleet Academy series. Now, before the strikes, Strange New Worlds Season 3 was sent in to go into production this summer. It'd they, probably be shooting right now. The Section 31 movie was scheduled for the fall, and the Starfleet Academy show is going to start filming in early next year, in 2024. The fifth and final season of Discovery has already finished production whew, for release later in 2024, and this may be the only live-action Star Trek content for the year. Think about that. In addition to working on new film and television projects, the SAG strike also disallows any promotion or publicity for previously completed film and television projects. That's a big one. Seriously. Seriously. I, I feel it's important to even say it again. This allows any promotion and publicity for previously completed film or television projects. There's no... There's no milk carton date on that, pals, including promotional events, panels, and more, including interviews. So if it's a movie you made back in 1960 when you were in SAG, you can't talk about it, right? You you can't promote or do a publicity event for it. The Ready Room with Will Wheaton has been banking interviews well in advance. So they can keep that show rolling through the rest of the season because they've got a backlog. But actors are not even allowed to do promotions on social media, Right. Star Trek actors from both the new shows as well as legacy shows are lined up to attend fan conventions all summer long. Las Vegas, Star Trek Las Vegas, over the first weekend of August. This is just days away, peeps. Photo ops and autographs are still allowed under SAG rules, as they are considered personal appearances. However, and this is a big however, uh, friends, Right. Panel appearances will likely be impacted by the strike. Okay, so uh, and this is something that we just can't really put enough emphasis on, right? Uh, it's clear that actors for upcoming projects cannot promote them on a panel. However, that doesn't preclude them attending the convention and even potentially appearing on a panel as long as certain topics are avoided. But let's be clear, right? People at a convention wanna interact with the actors and they wanna to talk to them about their work. They wanna say why they like them. I loved you in that scene on whatever, right? And it was just this morning I read that uh Luminary herself, uh Kate Mulgrew, Captain Janeway, just pulled out of Star Trek Las Vegas because it's like it's almost like what's the point? You know, you can't bring you can only bring your own like generic 8 by 10 glossies to get signed. You can't bring a photo of yourself as Janeway. You can't have an engage in any conversations about, you know, anything that you did as Janeway as the character or prodigy or anything like that. No, you can't do it. So it's just too frustrating, It's too problematic. I don't think anyone wants to risk, especially, you know, it's a a very litigious world we live in. Nobody wants to be sued, right? And nobody wants to Nobody wants to offend or piss off SAG-AFTRA. You don't want to get in trouble with the union. You just don't because it's your livelihood. So is it annoying for folks? Absolutely. But it's the glue that holds the industry together, and uh, actors and writers very, very, very seldom get paid what they're worth. We hear all the time, oh, Tom Cruise is making however many millions of dollars for Mission Impossible. Oh, actors all get paid too much. Bullshit. Okay, Most actors are barely able to afford to make rent, right? It's just terrible. And they very seldom get the benefits they need, the medical insurance. It's it's an extremely difficult industry. And a lot of times, actors and writers have to, like, bang on the door and insist that they be paid because the studios don't want to pay them what they're worth. And so this is way overdue. Um, It may last for a while um, because, you know, the studios and the producers are notorious for not wanting to – you know, give up, uh, you know, a little bit of their giant bonuses. Sorry, Bob Iger, but you're kind of at fault for a lot of this stuff. And uh, these are the people that are making these shows happen. Uh, there is no script without a writer. There's no character without an actor. And so it's I think it's hugely important that these folks are paid what they're worth. And that the, uh, in the climate where a lot of big-pocketed special interest groups are trying to uh, dismantle unions and guilds in the 21st century, it's important that we uh, support them and believe in them and honor their work and uh, be as patient as it takes as long as they get a good deal. And uh, that's my uh, two cents thrown on top of that story. Anyone else want to add to the topic? Yeah, oh, so on.
4: Oh, definitely, since I'm in Las Vegas, our club, USS Las Vegas, just had our meeting yesterday, and this was a definite hot topic with that, and we've gotten more details. I've actually talked to a person who represents Robbie Duncan McNeil. He is back down. He does not want to, ha- he is doing a lot of production right now, producer, and doesn't want that conflict. Uh, When they talked about the autographs, if they bring, if the actor brings her own pictures, it is a headshot. They cannot be in any kind of character role. Fans can bring in their own pictures, but they cannot write down the character name on the picture. They cannot (laughs) say a quote of the character. You cannot have Picard Picard doing engage because that's one of his lines. He cannot write down a picture. So panels are going to be very interesting this year at that convention.
5: Who wants to deal with that, though, man? I don't think uh, that's a pain.
4: Yeah, well, I know they're scheduled a big, we call legacy panel that a special gold seat member or paid to go Saturday night of basically many of the Picard actors. And I'm still questioning if that one's even going to happen because these actors will be doing panels on their own panel sometime during the weekend And they will not be able to promote Picard at all. I'm not sure it's going to be a big conversation, what everybody's up to in their personal lives. In fact, if anybody's going to Star Trek Las Vegas, uh, you can find me. You'll probably see me in uniform on Saturday. I don't know about Sunday. Find me at the USS Las Vegas table. We're going to be, I believe, right near the Federation. And I will be helping out monitoring the table for the week, the uh, Thursday and Sunday, since I'm busy working Thursday and Friday. But we're waiting to see what news happens with this convention. I know of at least five, at least four or five people who pulled out already. And that's just in a couple of days. I'm sure it's going to get even bigger. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The convention, they still want to keep it going. It's going to be a bit. You wonder how many people are going to cancel out or try to post, try to skip the convention just because it's not going to be the convention they're used to.
5: You know, the good news is is. Um if the early indications are any uh, clue, it doesn't seem like it's dampening a lot of uh, the enthusiasm for San Diego Comic-Con. Right. I mean, I think that, well, you know, the truth of that will come tomorrow because it's like a lot of times it's, it's all products related. Right. And so if the, if the actors can't be there, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see the production people uh, coming out and uh, and showing as much footage or, or ancillary products like toys as they can, right? But it's it's a sticky right. thing because a lot of people don't want to do it because they don't want to cross their friends or piss them off because they want to support the strike. They want to be seen as a strike breaker. So uh, yeah. it's really rough. And, it's, it's a tough situation well, for and, everyone.
4: And the different thing is uh, – Star Trek Las Vegas, because we lost the license for Star Trek, and why they call it mission 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 yeah, year fifty eight is because the license went to someone else, and so we 're not an official convention, whereas San Diego is an official convention. And that is one that the actors are banned from doing it because it's studio promoted. promoted. So that is why the actors are not able to go to San Diego. San Diego should be interesting because we're going to have a panel on three active series and I'm waiting to see if there are going to be dates on series. I've noticed we've got a possible production start date for section 31 and that's probably going to be if the, if again if the
1: <clears throat>
4: if the contracting clears up by then but san diego is mm-hmm. going to be interesting then i'm going to wait and see what happens with las vegas
0: so i actually got a couple questions about this uh stu- uh strike that's been going on um Just for the sake of knowledge that maybe some Star Trek fans might not know, but what can anyone tell me what the SAG rule is? What do you mean the SAG rule? Well, what does that mean? Like, why can't they do anything? What is the SAG rule? I'm just trying to figure out what that Uh,
4: is. I would recommend the fan looking at it to go online because there's a couple of paragraphs in it. But there's a actual if you go on strike, here are the here are the things you can and cannot do.
5: Yeah, basically, like in a nutshell. Right. It's just it's the idea of like maintaining solidarity, integrity during a labor situation. Right. And if you're going on strike. Right. It means you you can't work. You can't get in front of the cameras. You can't shoot. Mm. You can't do the craft of acting. Right. Because of the labor stoppage. Right. But in this situation, it's the the language is really complicated. Right. For all these type of situations. Right. It's all very legalistic. But part of what they define as acting is stuff that you're doing in support of said acting. Right. Basically, they see it as like, you know, any promotional, anything going on a talk show, you know, even like, you know, stuff you would never think of. Like, here's a picture of me when I played Captain Kirk 40 years ago. You know, they consider that, you know, related to your work. It's all about doing stuff that's related to your work. You're not really supposed to do anything related to your work during uh, a labor dispute. And so that's what it's all about. So that casts a super wide net. There's a few lucky folks who are voice actors who are not subject to this. Right. And, and the, the do some voice actor work, but it's all little subparagraphs and asterisks and, and exceptions. And it's just a, it's, it's a train wreck, but mm. you know, uh, as you know, Robert Duvall said in The Godfather, it's been a long time since we've had something like this happen, you know, a lot of bad blood over the years, but you got to have this every now and then, you know, it's just got to happen to help settle things out. So it's 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 the same kind of thing, you know, it's just nobody wants it, but it's just, but, you know, you can't treat people unfairly, especially when the top dogs at the top of the table are making so much money. Right. Yeah. And the, We've been hearing for the last few years, David. Right. I mean, everywhere. Here in Portland, especially, we heard about a lot. Right. How there's a huge abyss between the haves and the have-nots. Right. You okay. Know, you people who are, you know, barely able to pay rent, you know, and have any, you know, kind of extravagance, you know, and and y- your your salary every year is really, really low. Right. And then you know, the guy sitting at top, a guy like you right. know. Ahead of Disney. Right. It's making ridiculous bonuses of millions of dollars and billions of dollars. And it's just it's just the lack of inequity. Uh, You know, eventually it's going to lead to some kind of social upheaval because people are just sick of it. Right. There's a lot of guys making a ton of money in Hollywood and it's preposterous for them to resent those who just want their fair share. You know, and, and poo poo the creative. So that's kind of what it all boils down to, man. So it's just hopefully, you know, I, I'm a I'm a believer in common sense and dignity and ethics and hopefully it'll all get resolved by fall, right? I, I, I think it'll be hopefully sorted out by, you know, uh end of September would be I think, you know, but I don't think anyone's gonna buckle. At least I don't think anybody in the guilds
0: are gonna buckle. Okay, right. well, so was this, was this well, also brought up because of the AI situation? Could yes. I hear something about the yeah. AI? Yeah, that's a lot yeah. of it, yeah. dude. Was,
3: yeah, it's a, it's a real threat. I was about to tell you, I was talking with Leslie, and and something that a lot of people are not aware of is that in order to receive your benefits from the Screen Actors Guild, you know your health insurance, uh, you have to earn a certain amount of money a year, or you're disqualified and you don't have insurance. Well, the Screen Actors Guild does not include residuals salary. So Ugh. unless you're filming you know, actively currently, you have no insurance. Um, so mm. let's say you make uh, a number one movie. You're in Titanic, whatever. And you're getting $10,000 a month on residuals for this movie. That doesn't count as a salary because it's a residual. So that they wanted to change that so that residuals are counted as a salary so you can be insured. That's a big thing. Streaming is another huge issue here mm-hmm. because the actors don't get paid residuals on streaming like they do on broadcast TV like Nightmare on Elm Street. Leslie was in Nightmare on Elm Street. Every time Nightmare on Elm Street airs on television somewhere, uh, Leslie knows about it because she'll get these residual checks in the mail. Uh, it, that doesn't work for streaming. That that's a new concept that isn't included. And then, of course, you got the AI. And um, huh. the, uh, the well, AI they they don't want they don't want AI to take them over because right now they could like uh, make a movie with an AI version of you and not have to pay you. Those are the big ones. There's some smaller ones, but those are the big ones.
4: Well, on the streaming issue, I'll give an example that an actor was due residuals on how much money the, based on how much the movie would make in the theater. Well, said movie got released to the theater and streaming at the same time. Well, those residuals were based strictly on theater numbers only. So all the fans that were walking on streaming on the big network, or the big streaming service, the actor wasn't seeing anything in connection with that. And so that's part of the streaming issue is also the fact is when they release these big movies and they double they double dip into streaming as well as theater? How much, the, how much is it going basically to the production, the theater, the production only and not the cast?
3: And, you know, what's interesting, Charles, is a lot of these issues cross over into the writer's guild as well, like the AI for writers, residuals for writers, and um, streaming for writers. They're all on strike for the same uh, basic ideas. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's impacting
5: things, and it just keeps unfolding, right? I mean, I just read this afternoon, right, is now, and we didn't even think this. You think that, uh, you know, a picture that's already in the can, oh, what do you got to worry about, right? But, But Warner Brothers is thinking about bumping, like, Dune 2 over to 24, right because it's like how do you promote the movie if you don't have your cast right and they can't say well, anything about it you okay. want to have solidarity so a lot of movies that were in the hopper like were going to be you know uh, you know guaranteed like you know uh, winter holiday releases they may get delayed to next year unless contracts can be resolved so there's a lot of date shuffling and all these things we didn't even think about um, at all that are now becoming clear and uh, I mean if you lose you know the holiday season box office revenue I mean that's billions of dollars to Hollywood, right? That's a huge deal, right? Mm-hmm. You bump your movie to February, you're not going to make as much money. It's just not going to happen, you know. It, it's just not. So it's it it, yeah. it behooves them all to do the right thing and to settle this thing promptly and have some dignity, right? Because it's, I'm telling you, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, people suffer, uh, and then we should probably stop because I know we still have. A lot of news stories in 12 minutes to get through them. But I just, I just think well, everyone should just do the right thing.
3: I also wanted to point out something, Paul. How stupid, how idiotic does Paramount Plus look right now when they had 20 episodes of Prodigy in the can and they <laughs> chose to throw it away? Yeah, they could uh, they have uh,
5: all that content just waiting to be aired that you know was was legit to go, but no no.
1: Yeah, I mm. think it's an excellent po- excellent point
3: in the app. They 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 could have had lower decks for for 10 weeks and then Prodigy for 20 and gotten through the strike and into next year, but they were idiots and they canceled a 20 episode show that was finished. An animated and, bad timing, and 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 just a
5: bad call. Because uh, I mean, I think we're seeing yeah. that you know people are coming out all over the place and going, "This show is beloved." What the hell did you do? And uh, it's certainly, you know, people are getting their handle on their hands on you know the physical media copies as much as they can because uh, because people are curious they want to see it and people who didn't get to see it when it streamed are you know pretty pissed off they they're like you know yeah. like, we wanted to you know we want to see this we should continue on though cuz this is such a big topic
3: yeah well, and i just want to let everybody know that we only have 10 minutes left so any of the stories that i had promoted for this week just like we did before i thought it was important to talk about the strike We'll just bump those stories up to next week, so you, you'll still get the full stories, um, anyways. But David, you want to jump in here
0: uh, on, on this on this topic of the strike? Uh,
3: the next news story.
0: Oh, yeah, the next okay. news story. All right. Well, cool. So, um, Star Trek Strange New World uh, warps into streaming top ten charts following the footsteps of Star Trek Picard. The new season of Strange New World is providing but uh, proving popular for Paramount Plus, arriving on the Nielsen Top 10. Star Trek Stranger World Season 2 Premiere. The Broken Circle debuted on the charts for original streaming shows at number 7 with 338 million minutes viewed. Nielsen metric for streaming. This is the first Paramount Plus original to appear on the chart since May when the season 3 finale of Star Trek Picard came in ninth place with 400 million minutes viewed. That was actually the third time for Picard's third season on the Nielsen chart. Earlier in the year shortly after Nielsen began tracking Permanent Plus shows, without Nielsen data uh, from the first season of Stranger World, it's hard to draw comparison. However, last summer, Paramount Plus revealed season one had the strongest performance of any original Star Trek show to date. Whoa.
1: That's
0: a lot. All right, so I guess we're going to continue on our next topic. Charles, what do you have for us?
4: Okay, well, three Star Trek novels nominated for the Scribe Awards. The International Association of Media Tie-In Writers announced nominees for their annual Scribe Award, which acknowledges and celebrates excellence in licensed tie-in work based on TV shows, movies, and games. This year, Star Trek picked up three nominations across two categories, with a TOS book and a Strange New World recognized in both in Best Novel Category and a Project Book for Best Young Adult Middle Grade Novel. In the Best Original Novel Speculative category, both Star Trek Strange New World High Country by John Jackson Miller and Star Trek Original Series Harm's Way by David Mack were nominated. Star Trek Prodigy's A Dangerous Trade, written by Cassandra Rose Clark, was nominated for Best Young Adult Middle Grade Novel. This has been a good year for truck tie-ins as IDW Comics was recently nominated for two Eisner Awards, which consider the most prestigious honor for comics. Star Trek 400, edited by Heather Antos, is nominated for a Best Single Issue, One Shot, and the ongoing series written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lazzing with art by Raymond... Rosanis was nominated for Best New Series. Definitely really a good time to catch up on the books. The Star Trek: Shinji, The High Country, which we've discussed. The personally, I do like the Prodigy books, and of course, we love the comic sets. So, do you want to squeeze in Eric's,
2: Eric's uh, story? I think we can squeeze Go it for in. for Eric. Yeah, Star Trek, Picard, and Lower Decks both nominated for eight Hollywood Critics Association Awards. The third seasons of Star Trek, Picard, and Lower Decks got a big boost with the announcement of eight nominations from the Hollywood Critics Association. Picard picked up seven, including nominations for Patrick Stewart, Jerry Ryan, Brent Spiner, Michelle Forbes, and Terry Metallis. Hollywood Critic Association announced nominees for their third annual HCA TV Awards, with Picard dominating across the streaming drama categories with a total of seven nominations. This includes a nomination for Best Streaming Drama Series, Picard uh, Picard Stars Sir Patrick Stewart, and he was nominated for Best Actor in a Streaming Drama Series. Brent Spiner was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a Streaming Drama Series. And Jerry Ryan was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in a Streaming Drama Series. Michelle Forbes is nominated for Best Guest Actress in a Drama Series for the Picard episode Impostors. Picard Season 3 showrunner Terry Metalis picked up nominations for Best Writing in a Streaming Drama Series and for Best Directing in a Streaming Drama Series, both for the season finale, The Last Generation. For the second year in a row, Star Trek Lower Decks was nominated for Best Streaming Animated Series or TV Movie for its third season. So lots and lots of awards coming out for all this new Star Trek stuff. Uh, in particular, you know, I think I think it's kind of fun to see Picard's Season 3 coming back after the Season 2 kind of lull. Uh, you know, people love Season 3, got lots of awards. And also seeing uh, lower decks uh, nominated for all the awards, I think it deserves, uh, honestly, one of the best Star Trek shows out there, in my opinion. Jim, we got four minutes. I bet you can squeeze one more in.
3: Star Trek Picard Firewall explored Seven of 9s post-Voyager life. Seven of Nine's journey from Voyager to Picard is set to be explored in author David Max. Latest novel, Star Trek Picard Firewall. One of the biggest loose ends that weren't explored entering Star Trek Picard was what happens with Seven of Nine in the aftermath for time on Voyager, other than what was mentioned in passing. Author David Mack is hoping to fill some of those gaps in his latest novel, Star Trek Picard Firewall. The prequel, Firewall, takes place two years after the USS Voyager returned from the Delta Quadrant as Seven of Nine finds herself Uh, rejected for a position in Starfleet and instead finds a new home with the interstellar rogue law enforcement corp known as the Fenris Rangers. Star Trek Firewall comes to bookstores courtesy of Simon & Shuster in February of 24 and is available for pre-order. Paul, do you think you can Absolutely,
5: because this is an important one. Star Trek Picard, the final season, warps on a home video with exclusives and extras. After a moderately satisfying but slightly polarizing third and last season, Paramount Plus's Star Trek Picard, the final season, who wrote this, is beaming directly onto home video with its Blu-ray DV and dim, limited edition Blu-ray steelbook release on September 5th. Star Trek Picard, the final season, soon launching on home video, is packed with a voluminous amount of exclusive bonus material and features such as... Never seen footage and revealing audio commentaries on certain episodes, a blooper reel deleted scenes, feature as exploring Picard's creation and the grand rebuilding of the Starship Enterprise D, and an illuminating Q&A panel discussion with key members of the series cast and crew, obviously filmed before the strike. September 5th, 2023, Paramount Home Entertainment will deliver Starship Picard the complete series, which will be loaded with all three seasons of Picard and over seven hours of bonus features. Then, if that's still enough Picard to satiate you fans, (gasps) <gasps> the 54-disc blu Ray Behemoth called Star Trek The Picard Legacy Collection arrives on October 17th, stuffed with seven seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation, remastered editions of Star Trek Generations, Star Trek First Contact, Star Trek Insurrection, and Star Trek Nemesis, and all three seasons of Star Trek Picard. Woo! We make it so. One final word, Paramount. You've been making some weird calls here lately, and you cannot just release Picard's third season on blu-ray that is absolute insanity that is a 4k season if there ever was so it's a 10-hour movie it is amazing that's a that's a shooting yourself in the foot maneuver yet again 4k that you've got it it's no more expensive to produce it you know it we know it and the fans who insist on physical media know it end of rant 4k
3: or die
0: Woo, fast forward, guys.
3: <laughs> well, we we got it all in there, guys. Can you believe it?
0: Now believe we are going to the whole thing
3: again. <laughs> we we did it, we did it. Well, before before we uh, we really have to say goodbye. I want to take an opportunity to say thank you to David for hanging out and trek talking with us, even though he forgot the donuts and he drank homemade water. Thank you so much, David.
0: It was so good, homemade water. But yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show.
3: (laughs) And thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure,
5: man. A lot of fun this week. A lot of fun.
3: Yeah. And we're going to have a lot next week too. And of course, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Eric.
2: Absolutely. Peace and long life to all of our listeners out there. Thank you guys so much.
3: And of course, thank you to Charles for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you so much, Charles. Thank you, as always. And remember, guys, uh, please stay safe and be good to each other out there. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night, night. All. Good night, all. Have fun.
3: Let's see what's out there. Engage.